everybody. Welcome to episode 91 of the Fantasy Timeline, a proud member of the Dynasty Addicts Podcast Network. Uh, as you can see, uh, Josh is not here this evening. Um, so I'm going to try to try to take over those big shoes. So um, I'm here uh, with Drew. I think you guys all know who Drew is, but Drew, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah. What's new? Oh man, uh, I spent a crazy week at work, so I'm uh, excited to get get a chance to talk some football with uh, real life people instead of just yeah. tweeting and texting. So excited okay. to be here! Oh yeah, and our special guest for the evening, Sunny uh, at Big Knowledge FFB. Um, Sunny, what's up, brother? What's up, man? I'm happy to be here. I don't know if you can hear me well. I can't hear myself too well, but uh, yes, stoked to be here, hang with you. Been thinking about it all day. You just made it in time. Hey, hell yeah. Um, so if you guys have listened to this show throughout the times, um, I think pretty early when we did, um, pretty early in the, when we started having guests, uh, you were one of the first ones. Um, I think you and I did a solo show, um, or not really solo, but a duet without Josh. I think his, uh, his wife was in labor at that time. I don't know so. what, what Josh's problem is. Every time I show up on the show, he's not here. <laughs> Yeah. Coincidence? I, I yeah, I'm like, well, since you're not gonna be here, Josh, I guess I'll invite Sonny. <laughs> <laughs> but um so Sonny, um you and I have been talking a little bit about um a project that you started. Um that's kind of been in the works since um I guess last it was last year during COVID. So um why don't you uh tell the listeners a little bit about that and uh you know, um, let yeah. them know uh, the the project. I appreciate it. It's called Fantasy for Unity. Uh, it is a just a charity fantasy football tournament. It is something that was kind of spawned based on the the George Floyd incident last year. But it's really about kind of all races coming together. I feel like in this country right now, we have you know Asian hate. We have all kinds of you know the the, the entire cultures are all kind of clashing or having their own you know renaissance and different things so yeah for me it's just a matter of, of trying to bring everybody together and so it is it's you know it's it's one of those things where it's hard it's hard for me as a white male to talk about it too much you know it's, it's like i want to put this on i want to bring people in and get, just kind of get support from all different cultures so it's, it's about you know mostly black people mostly you know the the african American. sorry i'm getting nervous no, you're good. But yeah, it's just mostly about African American. But at the same time, it's all about you know bringing everybody together. And so, for me, it's 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 about you know I'll just get to the bottom line. If if people can donate twenty dollars, yeah. So basically, like what we started a like a a tournament kind of thing, a league um, where people can get involved. It's just a, a way to you know support. Um, yeah, it's, you know, it's tough for me. Like, honestly, yeah, let me just, I'll, I'll kind of finish. Okay. It's, it's tough for me because, it, like I said, as a white male, it's its tough to kind of bring up the subject. But for me, it's really, that's why it's important. Because I feel like in our culture, I've had, a, you know, as we've brought this out, to be honest with you, it's been tough to get going. I've had, right. there's been a lot of just, like, I've been surprised and disappointed, honestly, in, in some of the, the response for from the community. So for me, it's its now, it's just a matter of trying to, like, to get people to understand that this is, it is about supporting black culture. It's about supporting uh, the ACLU. It's about supporting the Equal Justice Initiative. It's about supporting um, 
the conscious kid, which are all, you know, they, they're all about multiple races. They're all about, you know, the, the communities that need the help the most. But what's what's frustrating and why I think that it's, it's hard for me to get out the message out there is because most of the fantasy football community is white. So as, as we've kind of moved forward with this and I, and I try to, I've, I've messaged so many people in so many different in realms, and it's just been really tough to get the fantasy football community, which I've always been very proud to be a part of, to really step behind this and say, yes, this is something that's important to us. And so I think that's why I'm really appreciative that you brought me on. We're, we're still trying to, like I said, we're making videos. Uh, we're trying to you know, find ways to get the, the message out there. Um, but it's been it's been like kind of hard because honestly, it's as a white male, I don't want to be I didn't want to be the face of it. Honestly, right. when we put it out. We put it out on Twitter, not necessarily anonymously, but we put it out in the sense that it wasn't going to be um, about the podcast. I didn't want it to be about my podcast. I didn't want it to be about John's podcast. So it became very much like, you know, how do we get this out to the message? How do we make a community come together on this? And so that was the initial thing. But honestly, we've had to kind of shift and we've had to really put ourselves behind it and say, look, community, we need your support as well. We need each and every person to kind of step up and say, look, as a fantasy football player, we are taking advantage of, you know, we're enjoying a sport that's played by mostly African-American people. And so, and when we're talking about the fantasy football industry, we're mostly white. It's a mostly white, mostly male. And so that's been the challenge for me. That's why it's kind of, it's, it's hard. Every time I talk about it, I find that like, I don't, I don't know who to speak to. I don't know if I'm speaking to the white fantasy football community or just speaking to people in general, but for us, that's what we're trying to put together. My friend, John June, my friend, Alex, uh, we've been talking, we've been like, looking at these charities, been looking at the message, trying to like get it down to what, what can we bring everybody together on? What is the kind of message that, that, cause we realize that it without, you know, in every kind of, when you start talking about ACLU, you start talking about these different affiliations, they all have different things that some people, whether it's religious reasons or whatever, aren't comfortable with. And so that's what it puts us in a position where we don't want people to get held back by, you know, just, okay, I, I can't be comfortable with all that. So I can't support the thing at all. We're trying to get people to come in and say, look, I see, that inequities in our culture, we see that there's, you know, some room for some growth. It's just hard to know, you know, exactly every, it, it seems like a lot of people say, well, I'm hurting too. And so I, I get, it. I don't want to tell people you're not hurting you're, that the other people are hurting, but you're not hurting. But at the same time, it's like, it's the disparities have always been large. And when we hit 2020 and we hit the pandemic and now you see that the, the way that the tech culture is growing and things like that, that are, that are still growing and certain jobs are leaving it's going to make that disparity even worse. And so I think that it's a time to act now. It's just, it's one of those things where for me watching, you know, trying as, as somebody who I can't go out and protest, I can't be out there on the streets. I'm a family man. I have, you know, trying to do this podcast on the side. I'm trying to run my business, but at the same time, I see that there's a need and I feel like there was, how can we, how is me and just my friends come together and actually make something impactful. And I think that this is what we came up with was this fantasy football tournament that is not just like a fun and you know dandy football tournament. It's about standing up against racism. It's truly um, taking your words and putting them into action and saying, look, it's no longer about um, you know just saying, yeah, yeah, I'm good with you know, yeah, racism's bad. It's like no, you actually have. We want you to support something and put your name on it because that's where we're at now. We need action, and and that's what the not just all the communities need, but I think the fantasy football community needs. So. I'm sorry I got nervous. Like I said, it is for no, me. It, it, it's an important thing. And it's kind of like I have a hard time talking about it. as a white male. It's always been something that's kind of I think that that's why our community needs it, because we need to be comfortable talking about this. We need to kind of get sure. comfortable understanding that all of these race issues, they're they're not necessarily going to be fun and they're not necessarily going to be comfortable. But we need to have them if we're going to move forward and start, you know, 
looking at all the big problems in our society, which goes well beyond race at this point. I mean, we're looking at global warming and all these other things, and we all have to start working together somewhere to, to move to the to the bigger problems. So please, if you guys want to be a part of it, it'd be really, you know, to me, it's just, we're trying to, like, we have 20 people right now. We have just about 20 people. So as much as we want to make this a big tournament, we're still, just, we're the few, the proud. And so, you know, every year I think we're, we're looking at, okay, establish ourselves this year, just trying to get, you know, the message out there, trying to get people to understand what we're about. Like I said, we're going to make a video so that people can kind of personalize it with our faces and see that we're just regular fantasy football guys who really see this as a, as a void that's missing in, in, in the charity community um, amongst fantasy football, the fantasy football world. So again, if you can just donate $20, it can be more if you want, but $20 to any of the ACLU, uh, the Equal Justice Initiative, or the Conscious Kid, and you can email it to at fantasyforunity at gmail.com, or you can email it to uh, the at Twitter, uh, Fantasy for Unity site. The Instagram, it's we haven't figured out Instagram, but the whole problem I have is, and it's partially on me, is that I'm just not that good at Twitter. Honestly, I've, I've really struggled to promote this I, I have I, no skills on Twitter, so I've tried to get it out there, but we're, we're trying different things. I've tweeted out to athletes. I've tried all kinds of different stuff, trying to get some momentum for this thing. And so yeah. here we are. We're still like, – I, I that's why I appreciate you bringing me on. We haven't had that many outlets of people really pushing it forward, even with the people that uh, you know have supported it in the past or have said like, hey, I want to be a part of that. Whether it's just a reminder, it's just it, – it feels like uh, – it's just kind of like, yeah, that's a good idea, but in actually making the action happen uh, hasn't been as much. And so – that's for me. I think that, you know, like I said, I, I always want to stay positive. And I think that in the long run, um, the fantasy football community deserves this and, and will kind of step up and, and kind of maybe set an example for other communities. I feel like the fantasy football community um, definitely understands and appreciates the black culture as much as anybody, or at least should, uh, based on as much time and energy we spend watching and talking about fantasy football players, many of which are come from those cultures that we could, you know, kind of turn around and, and try to, you know, support those communities as well. Sure. And I mean, don't lose, don't be disheartened, I guess, that you have uh, what you think is a low amount of participants. I mean, you know, it, it's something that just popped up, you know, it was just right after Fishbowl. You know, there's a lot of other things and people are still on vacation. I mean, there's a lot of things like I get it. And, and sometimes, you know, it takes a while for certain, you know, things to, you know, grab hold and take off. And so just let it happen organically. I think it will. And I think you'll, uh, you know, a couple of years uh, down the road, you're kind of going to go. Yeah. I remember when I was worried that we only had 20 people on August. Oh, we had, there was where we had two. I mean, there was like our first week we had, I think we had two. And that's, what's funny is we've all of us, myself, John, Alex, we've gone through numerous kind of stages of this, of just kind of pepping each other up. And it's, this is the reality that we face. It's not an overnight sensation type. Exactly. Thing. Unfortunately, this is not, uh, and that's kind of why for me, it's frustrating. And I, being a white male talking about race is hard. It's hard for me to speak for black people. It's hard yeah. for me to speak for white people. It's hard for me to kind of come out and just say like, don't you see how important this is? And, and try to make an issue of something that other people may say, well, yeah, racism is bad, but there may not be, you know, I don't necessarily believe that racism exists. There's a lot of different ways that, that can be interpreted or there's just, I have other priorities. And so yeah. all of that's there. And yet at the same time, like it's, to me, it's very important um, in my limited uh, time in fantasy football, in my limited kind of space in this world, it just, it was really kind of stood out to me last year when I was sitting there talking in front of a microphone about all these athletes 
and I'm watching football every day and judging what players are hurt and just discarding them if they're all this stuff. And then all of a sudden, you know, you start doing research and I start learning about some of the atrocities that have happened over the history of this country, some of which I didn't know about. That's the other thing that I think eyes, my eyes is, you know, I don't know how many people's eyes have been open to some of the things that have happened, but it's not necessarily just there for you to see. you got to go find it. And so when I see some of these things and I find out that the average uh, wealth of a black family is 15% of that of an average wealth of a white family. And that's, you know, when you look at the history of, slavery and everything, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, it just stands out to me that, that something needs to be done. And, and I can't, uh, you know, like I said, I can't pick it out in the streets, but I can um, kind of in my heart know that, okay, you know, maybe I can bring some awareness. Maybe I can bring, um, you know, some kind of support, some action to the fantasy football community, which, you know, that's, that's, it's a, I think it's a special community. It's a community of people who uh, have open minds and open hearts and have just a, and it's a huge variety of people. So that we start with that and then we'll see maybe we can affect the, the bigger world as well. And there you go. So if that's something something that interests you, you know, check out at Fantasy for Unity, uh, the Twitter handle or and then you can find out the uh, the ways to get um, you know involved. So on that note, we're gonna head into the uh, the football news. There's a lot of that popping out daily with uh, with training camp and beat writers and um, you know one of the topics later on is like how do we sift through all of it? But um, let's look at a couple of the um, the news topics and you know I wanted to get your guys' opinions on this. Like so, the first one, of course, the big one is Carson Wentz. Um, going to be out five to 12 weeks um, from I think last week when he had the surgery. So he could be ready as early as week one, or he might be um, late October. So um, if you have Carson Wentz as one of your top two uh, quarterbacks in a super flex, Drew, what are you doing? Um, how are you handling that situation? Like, if you're a contender, um, how are you handling that if Wentz is your QB2? That's tough. I had him in one of my, I don't know, 12 or 13 leagues last year as a QB2, and uh, I was somehow able to, to get him off for a package for Josh Allen in return, which felt great now looking back. Um, I don't even remember what else I gave up, but it was worth it. I don't care what it was. Uh, but if I have him this year, uh, I guess the, the silver lining is at least it happened early in the season. And, uh, you know, he's a talented guy. He, he had an MVP pace going. Um, so he, he could come back in the stretch and help you if you're patient enough, if you've got a, a QB3 that can stand in, or if your Superflex team is stacked enough at another position, like you guys were talking about earlier, where maybe you're just uh, overflowing with wide receiver talent or something that can – hold you over till week five, six, seven. Um, so unless I'm getting uh, an, an offer that, um, you know, feels kind of commensurate with uh, what he's capable of, I, I'm, I'm holding him. Um, you know, I don't know that there's a, a whole lot of fair return that I think I'm going to get back in a Superflex league. Most folks that I know in Superflex leagues or I guess leagues in general aren't, aren't real big on like position for position trades. So I don't know that I get another quarterback back that I like enough. Um, but yeah, I, I think I hold them at this point unless I get an offer that I really like, which yeah, I, I honestly don't even know. If I'm in a regular 12-team Superflex league, you know, maybe I'm, I'm looking for some kind of a late first back or a couple of, you know, an early second and a, a 23 second or something like that to, to kind of pack it in. And maybe I look at the rest of my roster and see if there's a couple of other uh, big pieces I can move, move around to, 
to re reload for next year if I really don't think he's going to come back this year. Sonny, is there any um, like quarterback replacements that interest you? Like, is Jacob Eason somebody that you want to throw on your roster, um, or any of the potential guys that uh, Indy could trade for? Although they say they're not going to trade for anyone. You know, Eason. I mean, a two super flex, two QB league. It sounds like if I mean, I saw him get added. People are spending two hundred of their five hundred fab dollars or something on so. But, you know, like he said, he's, he, Wentz is likely going to come back. The right. the odds of the Colts saying, okay, Easton's so good that he's going to be our guy is very low. I think it's very it's so much just points to where Carson Wentz is in, in terms of his value. It just it zaps his value. It kind of takes away. And, and now the Colts are committed to a second-round pick at minimum, but now they're not going to get to the first-round pick. So they don't have – like they're not that tied to him either. You know, whether – if he doesn't – if he comes back and it's just kind of hit or miss – and they're bad and they've been losing a lot. They may just decide to lose a lot. And, and that way they can actually get a quarterback to covet next year. So I, it's, it, I think it's a bad timing for Carson Wentz. It's one of those situations where you look at the rest of the team and everything. It's just a, it's one of those, it's like a, what could have been. And there's, you know, every year there's this kind of situations where it's like, Oh, Oh, what could have been? We won't know now. We will never know exactly whether Carson Wentz was legitimately uh, terrible last year or whether, he was, you know, like he could have been totally, you know, reinvigorated with the Colts this year. Now it's going to be hard to say because it can always be the excuse when he comes back that he, you know, oh, his foot's still not right or whatever happens. And I just, it feels like we we lost this moment, this opportunity to really evaluate Carson Wentz for what he is uh, in terms of dynasty, because we may, whether he stays with the Colts now is made to be dependent on those seven games that he comes back and plays or nine games or however many games he can play because they won't be tied to that first rounder. And then I think it's just next year that his contract's up. So, Right, yeah. So it's 70% of the snaps is how they determine whether if he plays more than 70%, I believe, and they make the playoffs, um, then or then uh, Philly would get a first-round pick. Otherwise, they're getting a second-round pick. So, so there's no it, way. That it makes sense for them to just kind of go, yeah, go, take, go have surgery. We'll bring you back. You know, like that's why I wouldn't expect them to come back until like game five or something like that, or game Not six, a chance. because yeah, no chance. Yeah. So um, how about, how do you guys think that um, we'll start with Drew? How do you think that this is going to affect um, the other, you know, position players for Indy? Like, do you think this really affects uh, Jonathan Taylor? You know, does this hurt? I mean, obviously it's going to hurt the wide receivers, but what do you, how about uh, how it affects the run game? Uh, I, I've been under a rock for the last few days. Did I see something earlier today that Quentin Nelson's out for a few weeks too now uh, for a bit? Yeah, he didn't He didn't dress today. I don't know much beyond that. Okay. I think he had the same injury, they said, some kind of foot injury. Oh, okay. It was pretty severe. And, and I read a list. Somebody posted a list of names of other Colts who had been injured. So it was you know, yeah, a substantial not, list. It was surprising. Not great, that. Bob. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, all right. Well, we're uh, we're not. I mean, gosh, what do you do with John if you have Jonathan Taylor? Like, I mean, you just got to weather it, right? Like, I'm not gonna trade him for less right now. Um, I mean, do you trade him for somebody else in that same tier, um, just to help you this year if you're a contender or something? I don't know. I mean, that's tough. I, I don't think I would do that personally. I would probably just hold. Um, there's a lot of pretty good running backs that are on crap teams. So, I mean, you just have to hope that he's one of them, right? 
And I would say the other thing about, uh, you know, game script oftentimes uh, dictates running backs pass game usage. And if everyone expected them to win, then everyone has the assumption that Jonathan Taylor is going to get all this touchdowns and all this. But I, th- I was surprised, maybe pleasantly surprised for Jonathan Taylor, at how many passes he actually caught last year. Mm. in that offense and if they're bad then you would and then and, and they have a quarterback who's not that good or not that confident in throwing it down the field you might just find um you know some added some added statistics there just with his pass catching just because they're losing so yeah i guess i wouldn't i wouldn't change him that much honestly it's more about the wide receivers and and kind of the the upside that they had with carson wentz you know compared to where they might be now i think that's the bigger concern all right um on to the next thing um so this was as of Monday that Jameis was getting most of the first team reps, at least for that day. Um, and they say he looked very good. Um, how are you guys even playing this New Orleans situation? Like, are you just avoiding it? Are you just rolling the dice and trying to grab one of the two? Um, are you just are you trying to get the monopoly and pick up both of the quarterbacks, Taysom and Jameis? for cheaper and then you got a starting quarterback um uh sonny we'll start with you what's how would you handle or are you handling the situation you should have started with drew you know i'm so biased in this one i i I am maybe one of the most biased pro Taysom hill uh, people you will find you know i've been touting Taysom hill for a year now over a year as a good as i said he was going to get the job in the middle of last year I've been fighting, and it's partially now that I own a lot of Taysom and I I own zero Jameis. I'll admit that there's that that personal bias there as well. But yeah, I I think that there's still a good chance that that Jameis can go out there and outplay me. He has the arm talent. He he throws the ball, uh, you know, better than Taysom Hill. But it's the idea that he throws it like that. Taysom Hill can't throw a football. That Taysom Hill uh, has no potential as a quarterback is just ridiculous to me. Especially when you look around and you see Jalen Hurts and these other quarterbacks who. Uh, haven't had the chance to train under Drew Brees. And if you watch Taysom Hill and you actually see him, he he can throw accurately. He can throw a deep ball. Uh, it's, it's not beautiful. He's a little too muscular sometimes to get the to, to get his deep throw off quickly. I think that's where he struggles. And then he fumbled the ball a lot last year. It was really his biggest problem. But he was a winner. He had a higher uh, court, quarterback rating, QB rating, in his four games than Jameis ever had in any season of his career. Uh, you know, Jameis leaves Tampa Bay and they suddenly go win the Super Bowl with Tom Brady and almost the same crew. And yet Jameis, when, when he was there, they were a losing team. So to me, it's like I get that the love for Jameis. And I think a lot of people, it's just because they either own Jameis or they have players, you know, they had a Michael Thomas or whatever that they were expecting to do better. And so that's the other reason I really favor Taysom, Taysom now is because you're talking about Michael Thomas being out. So what weapons are you going to let? Jameis Winston go and pick you apart with when you're talking about Marquez Callaway and Deontay Johnson or Deontay Harris. I like the players personally. Like I think they're a little underrated, but with throwing that all on Jameis's play and kind of running back what they did last year with Drew Brees, it doesn't tell me that, yeah, they'll be fine. They'll probably still be a winning team. Um, But does it really maximize their upside the way that having Taysom kind of run a special offense where you have a quarterback who can do a lot of those things. He can still run timing plays. He can still pick you apart, um, but he can also just annihilate you with his legs. Um, like very few quarterbacks, very few athletes in the whole league can do. I'm waiting to see it. You know, I've I've got so many shares and I've got so many like spots, you know, with me and you, we need QB. And then we got Taysom. It's like, oh, if Taysom just gets the job, then we don't need QB after all. So I have a lot of that where it is a personal bias for me. Uh, But I also, I don't, you know, I'm just not one of those people that believes that, that Sean Payton is, is like, doing this to, to appease anybody else. Like he's just been doing this, uh, you know, just to like, 
to tout his ego or whatever. I truly believe that, that he saw something in Taysom Hill, has invested a lot of time, energy, and now money, and, and is, is gearing up to give him that shot. And so, yeah, J I think Jameis is going to have to really, you know, show up and, and win that job from him. And if he does, then then credit to him because he does have amazing arm talent and he has been working really hard. Uh, but like I said, I, I'm I'm t I'm Team Taysom. I got I got to say I'm I'm on Team Taysom just because of my own personal investment in it and what I think the upside um, is for the Saints. Like just imagine if he can, you know, throw the ball and run the ball. It's a lot better. Drew, what are your thoughts on the situation? Uh, I, I'm pretty squarely in the uh, avoid it all at QB. Um, I've got one of each in two different leagues. So uh, I know that one of them, I'm going to have an extra quarterback, which is great. And as soon as I figure out which one, uh, I'll probably try to trade him and get whatever value back I can for him. Um, but, uh, you know, if I had to pick one to be, uh, you know, who I'm rolling with for the season, uh, I don't trust Jameis to keep, keep the job, even if he wins it to start. So, uh, you know, I, I'd probably hedge my bets and, and take Taysom and, you know, hope that he, he pulls away with it somewhere. And then I have an extra quarterback for at least by weeks. Um, you know, I, I've got Jameis, I think in, in one of our super flex army leagues and gotten a couple of offers, nothing, nothing that, uh, you know, my, my co-manager and I have been excited about, but if we get something halfway decent, I think we probably move him and try to get either, uh, some draft picks or a little bit of youth somewhere else. Yeah, I think I'm kind of in the same, I mean, I'm kind of in the, I think I'm not going out of my way to add either of the guys personally. Like, you know, I've, I do have more Taysom than Jameis, even removing the team I share with Sonny. Um, but like, I do understand the intrigue with Jameis, but I think it's a little misguided because people remember all those fantasy points he scored. And I don't think that that's going to be the case with this offense. Um, so I think even if he does win the job, I think people are going to be like very disappointed in what their fantasy points are on a weekly basis. Um, especially with the, uh, you know, Kamara and that's it, right? Like that's the only offensive weapon that I even feel good about everyone else. I don't, there's not one player on that whole offense when with Michael Thomas out that I'm even like considering putting in a flex, you know, at this point, like maybe that had changes just because of opportunity, you know, that sort of thing. Somebody's got to step up, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think now's the time to actually go. If you're going to go after anybody, I think it's Taysom just because I think Jameis is getting a little more hype right now. Um, so you might be able to get, if you, if you want to take the risk, you know, maybe you don't have that third quarterback in a super flex, and it's like, okay, I'm just going to roll the dice and pay a second for one of these quarterbacks and hope for the best. You know, like, I mean, it's better than a uh, scratch off. So, well, no, I mean, let me ask you this, both of you guys. So, if okay, if James, what's what's your percentage? What what are the percentages you think is gonna, who's going to win the job? Like, is it fifty fifty? Do you have a percentage you think is going to win the job? I don't think there's a high enough like the error rate isn't very, like, I think that it's probably pretty close. Like even if it's 60, 40, that's not enough for me to make a decision one way or the other person. Well, I'm just curious. So, so that's my first question. My second question would be if Taysom Hill is the starter, do you not see him as a top five to top 10 at the worst fantasy quarterback with his rushing ability? I don't see him as a top 10 at the worst. Um, 
No. Like, I mean, there's, I mean, he had a, he had a big, a few he big was games. Last he year, had a, he had a stinker of a game. The one stinker equal, um, but every other game he was a top five quarterback. Right, but that's also like when we argue about rookies who at the end of the season blow up, and then the next year we see defenses actually got to see what the, they're doing with him, and then defenses have the opportunity to, you know, make some uh, game plans against him, which they weren't able to before. And I feel like that could happen. And I'm not saying like, like I mean. Sure, I think that if I'm gonna do, am I gonna take the quarterback that can rush the ball? That's there's obviously a benefit to that, but I'm not necessarily sold that. Like if you have Jameis as a quarterback, and you can still play him, um, Taysom as the role he played with Breeze, um, is that better than just having Taysom out there all the time? I don't know the answer to that. Like I mean, I'm not sold on Taysom. Um, I feel like the chances of him being the quarterback beyond this season are pretty low. Um, but okay, if you can so get a, if you can get enough fantasy points for him for this year, I get it's worth it. Like you know, it's kind of like Jalen Hurts in my mind. What what benchmarks does he need to reach? So if he plays like he played, if he gets the start and he plays like he played in the four games and they win three out of four games consistently, so they end up with a you know let's say what it is. 12 and five, 12 and five yeah at worst possibly 13 four right that would be the the scenario and they go to the playoffs and he's put up those kind of statistics how can he not be the starting quarterback next year if they're a winning team like i just don't i sure think okay so setting, like if a quarterback so, starts and wins 13 or 14 games is he gonna be I'm the saying. starter next year so, yes thank but you so i don't think they get close to i think i agree though. i think the saints are gonna win regardless i think the saints with Jameis mm-hmm. or Ta- or Taysom are gonna be a winning team i think they have the offensive line they have the defense that's one of the best in the nfc that's my opinion. So I feel like the quarterback, Drew Brees, Drew Brees was a shell of himself last year. People think that Drew Brees helped them win last year. I personally think that Drew Brees held them back. And had they had Drew Brees in the playoffs, and I mean, had Taysom Hill starting the playoffs, I think they had a better chance. I think that his arm strength was weak. And Taysom can throw the ball actually better than Drew deep down the field in terms of arm strength. Yeah, and that's, James, that's the only thing he's better. Well, yeah, but he no, it's not. He can run the ball quite well. And, and, pat, and passing. Yeah, yeah, but so I'm just saying, so when you mix all those things together, I don't know that there's that much lost for the Saints. And so I think they will be a winning team. And if they're starting quarterback, whether it's Jameis, if Jameis wins the job and he carries them the same, I would I would make the same assumption that, that Taysom's moving on and Jameis is going to get signed because I don't see, I don't know why why Sean Payne would want to start over. He's got the team built. I, I yeah, said, I think I, I people are underestimating. As, um, I see the, if they if they end up 13 and 4 or something like that i see they them winning in spite of their quarterbacks that's so we, like that's yeah. but you know i'm not big on water bets honestly i don't do a lot of water bets or whatever but i think that this might be a moment where we have to we have to take this well you and i just it. disagree on the quality of Taysom hill and that that's okay <laughs> well, like, the, the rest exactly. of the offense scares me too you know you don't have michael thomas there to at least draw something you got alvin kamara so what what are defenses going to have to do this year and, and that's where maybe I think that Taysom's going to be the better opportunity as a quarterback because then you have Kamara and you have Taysom who can run. And, like, at least you have, like, an odd um, game plan that most teams don't have um, that will benefit your team. But does that mean that he's, like, he's going to be a long-term answer? I don't know. And and I'm just not sold that that's the case. So, like, 
again, I'm okay adding him for the short-term expectation and hoping he hits. I'm just not sold that he's going to be anything beyond this season. But, I mean, it's just that's the beauty of fantasy football. We're, all, we're not always going to agree. Sonny just uh, left uh, the, the team already in our league that we share, so he must be really mad. Um, what are you talking about? You just not, exited the league, not teasing. No, no, you know I'm on Taysom Island. I'm I'm happy to be on on the. Taysom yeah, I don't think you're the only one, but yeah, yeah I mean, I'm not. Like I'm I'm on like a rowboat, a little bit away. So. Um, yeah, if, I, if I'm if I like I said, if I'm picking one of the two this year, and I and I think I want to win, I'm I'm taking Taysom over Jameis because I I don't think Jameis keeps anything. You know, Jameis gets the job most likely if Taysom gets hurt because he decides to die for extra yards and injures his shoulder somewhere. Uh, and as soon as he's healthy, I think he's back. Because Jameis, I mean, you know, LASIK surgery or not, the guy first, you know, first pick overall or not, the guy just it hasn't translated, um, which is tough. Which I, you know, I, I like the talent, and I was a big Mariota fan, so I, I, I kind of like that and and whatever that's worth. But um, but yeah, if I'm picking somebody for this year, I'll definitely take Taysom over uh, Jameis. I, I feel like you know, Julius saying sixty forty, I probably put a three to one. So like seventy five twenty five is where I think. It probably is if I were to bet on it, but um, but yeah, long term, sure, and that that's the beauty of fantasy too. You know, there, there's but if no point for the price that you're paying. Like that's fantastic. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I just yeah. So, all right, well, let's get to the what we've seen on the timeline. Um, so here's the first uh, tweet from Mike Randall at Randall Rant. Um, it's an it's it is absolutely a factor in my drafts whether a player has been vaccinated or not. The reason, per the rules, they are likely to miss fewer days if vaccinated than if they are not. We won't know if the vac- we won't know the vaccine status of most players, but it must be considered in seasonal leagues. So, the question for you guys is: Are you going to change how you draft this season based on the information? If you do know a player is not vaccinated, um, and if you are going to, you know, maybe draft somebody a little bit later because of that information, how much do you actually weigh that information? Like how much do you drop them? So Sonny, why don't you uh, give me your opinion here? You know, it's interesting. I don't know. I haven't seen the big list of, you know, kind of like waiting it out to see, because I'm sure there are some players who are probably still deciding or they haven't this like disclosed. I heard Dak hadn't disclosed, which to me is like, saying you haven't done it yeah if you're not if you're not saying well like lamar was one of them like because he, 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 he get COVID last year i think he got COVID last year and it seems like he got COVID again this year and then um kirk cousins i believe is one um so there are some guys out there that you know i think uh uh beasley isn't <laughs> yeah beasley and the hopkins those are the two that i'm I teasing i know that but um so <laughs> just whole, point yeah. being is like with if let's say we have a list of you know, 20 uh, fantasy relevant. You're talking you redraft know, dynasty players. Yeah. I mean, obviously in dynasty, it's not that big of a deal, right? Because right. this is one, you know, hopefully one year, uh, but the rules are this year. Um, like, are, are you going to drop those players? some just for the potential that they might miss multiple weeks instead of maybe no weeks for the same prognosis probably not for the best players but like if you're kind of deciding between i mean like kirk cousins or whatever it's like he might drop a little bit if there's another comparable guy i I don't see it like dictating too much because you're trying to win 
And when you're thinking about winning, especially in this redraft, you're just trying to get the, the maximization of your, of your draft picks. And you're going to assume that you're going to lose some to injury or to something else. And so I don't, I, w- I just wouldn't want to start compromising on the, the talent just based on the potential for them lo- missing time when there's a lot of potential for people missing time and, and the, the, you know, the vaccinated, I guess, you know, it would come into play if, like I said, if all things being equal, I'll take the vaccinated player. Drew. I have a hard enough time keeping up with all the other crap that's involved in fantasy <laughs> football that the vaccination piece, <laughs> you know, I, I, I would agree. I, you know, maybe I take a second look at somebody that I have in the same tier, but uh, you know, I'm not, I'd be more inclined to avoid Carson Wentz next year in redraft based on his injury history than I would be his vaccination status. Yeah. I, I think that this went, um, I don't think we're, any of us are answering differently. I agree with you guys. I think that, um, you know, uh, again, within one, the same tier. Yes. I'm going to pick somebody over the person potentially. Um, but yeah, overall you're right, Sonny. It's all about grabbing the best talent um and hoping for the best regardless you know like it's so much luck involved anyway you just gotta hope somebody doesn't get uh covid during the season hopefully that player is responsible enough to know how to avoid it so um all right i I will say for position players i might be more apt to pick up a another guy down the depth chart something about like cole beasley uh you know makes me more excited to grab gabe davis late you know, or maybe I'll take another flyer on uh, Emmanuel Sanders or something like that later on when I wouldn't typically because I feel like he's he's pushed down there. But other than that, for the individual player, it doesn't change a whole lot. Yeah, I got you. When you're taking a flyer, that might be a little bit of a little a bump you wouldn't typically expect. Um, maybe that's the tiebreaker for them instead. So, yeah, I got you. All right. Uh, this is from Dynasty Junkie uh, at Dynasty underscore Junkie. Um, I think we know that fella, uh, but he asked us to rank these tight ends for Dynasty. Uh, Cole Komet, Adam Troutman, Harrison Bryant, and Dan Arnold. Um, I'll start. This is, um, it took me a second to think about it, and I really, the way I kind of went is, like, who kind of flashed for me. Um, so like for me, the two players that flashed the most were Cole Komet and Harrison Bryant. And I feel like, you know, Cole Komet's pretty much the tight end one this year, I think. Um, so I feel even though he's got a rookie quarterback coming in and all of that, he's going to grow with them. And I, I, I feel like Cole Komet's the first guy I would want on that list. Uh, Harrison Bryant, I just like, he showed really well too. Um, and He's playing on an offense that's typically going to be running two tight end sets. Um, I think at the highest percentage of any team in the NFL. So um, totally fine adding him as my number two. Um, Then it's Troutman and and Arnold. Um, I mean, Arnold's been everywhere and he, like he's never stuck. You know, he started out as a wide receiver, kind of transitioned to tight end. Um, everybody's excited about it, and then he pops for a game, and then that's pretty much it. So I think uh, Troutman, just roll the dice on Troutman, hope he falls into the situation of being a, you know, one of the top three three targets in 
uh, New Orleans, um, but I'm not going out of my way to add the number three or number four guy in this list. Um, the other two guys that I'm, I'm happy to have on my roster. So how about you, Sonny? Um, so I just like Troutman. I kind of, I think that for some reason he stands out to me as the guy that, that potentially could have the highest upside. Uh, I think I'm with you on Komet. He's kind of the second one for me, but for some reason Troutman to me just feels like when we're thinking tight ends, we're thinking guys who can actually make it into those top 12. I'm not in that many two tight end type leagues and, and I'm not even in that many super like a tight end premium. So for me, the tight end position really has to have like a, a upside appeal and and I don't and if you're talking redraft, I might actually lean towards commit. Although I don't think any of them would really be that appealing for the first for your first tight end. Right. Uh, but but that's realistically like I'm looking for a, a boom. I think commit you know probably have more productive uh, season this year. And and the Harrison Bryant like like you said, it kind of popped in my eye. I thought there was something there. Uh, but they still seem like they they have something in mind for Njoku and then uh, Hooper. You know he's who he is and he's going to be on the field. And so, yeah, I, I think in terms of redraft, I could I could go with commit, but I don't think it would be very enthusiastic. It would be like a second tight end if I was deciding to take a second tight end. But for Other, dynasty, dynasty, I would still take. I would be Troutman probably, then Cole Komet and Harrison Bryant just behind him, and Arnold. He's older, and and like I said, he's like that guy's like two hundred twenty pounds or something. So to me, I yeah, don't think he's, he's yeah, I don't think he's got enough in the, in the the behind area to to make an impact as a true tight end ever. So he's always going to be that kind of, you know, hit or miss unless he turns into, you know, Evan Ingram days where it's like, they just like try to use the guy, split him out, have him. But it sounds like Terrace Marshall's already tearing up camp. I don't know why they would want to use Dan Arnold over a Terrace Marshall. So yeah, no interest. Like, <laughs> very little. <laughs> yeah, if like I said, waiver wire, sure. You mean like if a dynasty waiver wire is just the throw in. Sure. Right. Drew. Sure. Uh, I'm definitely biased uh, here. I, I like Cole Komet a lot. I've actually made a, a few trades in the last year to get him. Uh, tried to make him and throw in wherever I could. A couple I had to actually count him as a, a meaningful piece. Um, I, I do like the idea of him growing with Justin Fields, who I, I have everywhere that I can as well. So for Dynasty, he is he's my uh, number one guy on this list by a, a good margin. Uh, I actually have him in the order that, that Rocky put him here. So Troutman next. Um, I think he, he showed a little bit of uh, flash last year. They, they moved up to get him. There are enough things around him to, to think that Sean Payton's invested and wants to give him a real shot. Um, you know, maybe Michael Thomas going down means he has some more targets funneled to him. Um, so I, I those are the two that I would be looking to, to get on my roster if I'm in Dynasty. The other two, uh, Brian, he's it's just too crowded there. Between Landry, uh, you know, Mayfield still has this thing for Higgins periodically. There's just uh, not enough targets in that offense to go around. Even if he's on the field, I don't know what kind of target share he's going to get throughout the season. So uh, if I'm in a two tight end league where I have to start two tight ends, maybe I, I add him on as my third tight end or something like that for bye weeks. And then, yeah, Dan Arnold, even in a two tight end league, uh, somebody else can pick him up. Right on. So, uh, yeah, we we're pretty close. I think you guys, I value Troutman a little less and you guys uh, value um, Harrison Bryant a little less. So, but overall, we're pretty much in the same uh, hemisphere. So, all right, this is kind of just a precursor. This is from Scott Connor at Charles Chill FFB. Um, he just asked the question, when is Sony Michelle getting released? I've been hearing the last few months that 
it's all but a given. So it just kind of got me thinking. I was thinking about this, and um, and then I saw this tweet, so I figured this was a good uh, transition to my question. It's like there's so many rumors, you know, people kind of projecting what's going to happen with, um, you know, the 53-man roster, and they're doing it, like, right after the draft. And, and so – like, you know, everybody's like, oh, yeah, you know, there's no way Sony Michelle's going to make this roster now. They just got Ramondre Stevenson, da 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 All of a sudden, you know, maybe somebody did say that they were thinking that Michelle may not make this team. And, you know, now, granted, they're probably not going to cut him right now, but they, you know, maybe he is still up for a cut as we get, you know, closer to the regular season. Um, but my question is, there's so many rumors and then like you get to the, uh, you know, beat reporters, which are pretty much looking for clicks. Um, so they're, you know, blowing sunshine or making the, you know, very extreme comments about players. How do you sift through that? You know, how do you guys like um, figure what's worth listening to or what's not, you know, like, cause Cause you do need to use some of that, right. To get, uh, to make a decision to maybe be ahead of the game and roll the dice on somebody. So, um, Sonny, why don't you start? Like, how do you kind of handle these, uh, you know, news blurbs and rumor mill? Love Scotty Collins, by the way. You know, I, I think that, uh, I, I'm open to hearing it all. I think that if you can come in with an open mind and not get like too swayed and not just like make big decisions based on the information i'm all about hearing about it because sometimes it's just that little the little bit of information that you get and that little bit of like oh that's interesting i didn't know that player was tearing up camp or whatever it is uh, might just be enough for you to kind of keep an eye on that player uh, and watch for the next sign and the next sign so that's for me it's, it's it's like it can't be just one thing or you know after all the years of experience, sometimes I don't even know what it is I'm looking for. It's just one of those things like certain comments stand out as, as like, okay, they're just trying to prop this guy up or make him feel good or challenge him. And other comments feel more genuine coming from a coach. Um, so I like to hear the comment. I like to hear, hear the person speak. Uh, that's more important to me sometimes than reading a quote because quotes, you know, it's like someone sends you a text and they all like, however, there's so many ways you can interpret uh, the energy of that text. So that's the same way for me. It's like, I, I feel like there's good information to be had out there. I think you, smart people pay attention. Uh, you know, I've had friends who play fantasy football who literally don't pay attention to anything. And sometimes at the end of the day, they, they were the smarter one because they just didn't hear any of the mess came right back around and pressed the button on the guy that they, you know, it's like they didn't hear the full circle mess that went on. So they didn't get distracted in all the different directions and, and they were at the right finish line when they needed to be. But I still think that, you know, I'll take my chances. I'm not, I'm, there's no way I'm going to just close my ears and, and say, la, 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 during all the information coming out. So you might as well just embrace it at the same time. Like, got to be wary. You're just going to have to, uh, you, you know, trust your gut. There's, I've been misled, but for the most part, I feel like um, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't put too much on anything. I don't, I'm, I'm not making major changes to my teams or to my process based on a little bit of camp news. But sometimes if it's enough, if like you'll start to see something, or hear something enough, then it's just like, what else can I do? My gut's telling me this needs to move up. This player needs to move up. Drew? Yeah, I think Sonny hit it on the, the nail on the head there where it's, it's uh, you know, all this stuff is in addition to what we already know. Nobody comes into this like completely unknown. If you want to know something about a player, you can go find it. In this day and age, you can find what they did in college. You can find what their coaches said in college. You can see what their teammates said. 
um, you know, what their opponents said about them, et cetera. So there's nothing coming out of this that's going to be uh, an earth shattering, totally tip the scales. But uh, I think, um, you know, for those of us that are year round with this thing, you, you want to find those little nuggets that you think could, you know, help you make the decision between your 31st and 32nd roster spot for this year. Right. So, cause that's, that's where, again, you get the shots to, to go and, and get something special, whether it's trade later on, or maybe you get your season winner um, that way. And whether it's rookies, whether it's a, a guy in a new situation, um, you know, there've been plenty of times I've been burned by not paying attention enough. You know, I, I had my bias in place. Uh, last year, Stefan Diggs was one of those cases for me where, you know, how do you leave a dome and go to Buffalo? I mean, uh, you know, Buffalo is Minnesota without the dome, right? Uh, new system quarterback. That's not that accurate. Why the heck would I want this guy as uh, you know, a wide receiver one or even a wide receiver two on my team. And then Holy crap, how wrong was I, right? Which as a Buffalo fan, I'm thrilled about. But, uh, you know, there's definitely a, a part of, you know, paying attention, taking it all in. And then, uh, you know, over time, I think you figure out how to weigh things out. I, I follow a few beat writers, but I don't know enough of their work long term to have any strong opinions about any of them. Uh, you know, I think for me, it's it's getting to chat with uh, people like you all who, you know, you have your opinions. You're able to share some insights that I've never thought about uh, before as, uh, you know, a fantasy football player and, those are the nuggets I try to tuck away for next year and we'll see how that plays out. And, you know, I start to, to get some of the habits in my process that help me, uh, you know, feel good about the decisions I'm making. And hopefully, you know, I make one more right decision than wrong decision this year. And I have, have some fun doing it. Yeah. I think I, the part where you said, you know, the decision between the 31st and 32nd player on your roster, like, I really think that's like where I use this information the most. It's like, okay, I got to make a cut. Well, there was this blurb about this guy, you know, I'm not going to, you know, if they give me a blurb about Terry McLaurin, like, I mean, that doesn't matter. I already have an established, you know, value for him, but it's those guy end of bench guys. I think where these blurbs are the most important, at least for me. So it is like, oh, okay. We got roster cuts this week. Okay. Well, I haven't heard shit for this guy. So I'm going to like, but there's been a few blurbs about so-and-so doing pretty well. Like, I'm going to hold on to him a little bit longer so I can at least see what happens. If nothing happens, then fine. Then he's off the, you know, he's, he's off the team and I add somebody else. So um, that's probably my biggest thing. Like, do I go out and make trades based on news? Very rarely. Um, I mean, it would have to be somebody I already had a bias towards, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, Oh, okay. now it's definitely pushing me in that direction. Um, But otherwise I don't think I'm going to, really very often go out and make trades for somebody unless it's a rookie like a rookie would be really the only time i would probably um go out of my way um or like if it's an austin eckler thing where it's an undrafted rookie that makes a 53-man roster like why did they put an undrafted rookie on their 53-man roster it's because they didn't want to put him on the practice squad and have another team pick him up like that tells me that they really believe in that guy. So those are, are, but that's just more of a, that's not a blurb thing. That's just uh the action of the team. So um, yeah, it's tough during this time. It's fun and it's fun to pay attention to the news because if you're in dynasty, that's part of the, the fun of the hobby in my opinion. So yeah, I agree with you guys. You do have to listen to it. It's, it's and, just, a. go ahead. 
Oh, I was just going to say, and Scott went to Scott's point. I think Scott's point is a little more pointing to the fact that we make a lot of assumptions as a fan. No community. doubt. Yes. And he's just like, okay, so we've all made the assumption that, that, that he's just going to get cut. Right. Or there's, oh, there's an opportunity that someone's going to get traded. It must be Sony Michelle lineup. And I think that that's where we have to be careful as a fantasy community. And maybe we can also gain from, or like uh, leverage some of the echo chamber is that you find that sometimes it'll be a, a and Evan Silva, like last year, he talked about Leonard Fournette getting cut, and he was right. Eventually, Leonard Fournette got cut. But this year, I think he was talking about Melvin Gordon, and the same kind of thing didn't happen. And so it's once one person who's got a kind of a, an audience says something, and then another person says a similar kind of thing, and then another person and another person, it's, it becomes hard to differentiate where the original source or like the the magnitude of that impact, and it becomes like an assumption made like, well, everybody seems to agree with this. Everybody must have gotten that memo. So how do we, you know, I guess we have to move forward and, and know that this is the new reality. And that's where you can kind of look at it and go, okay, well, where is, what, where was the reality from that? Like, where is the reality of Sony Michelle getting cut? Is that just based on the fact that it's assumed that Damian Harris is going to get the start and it's assumed that Ramondre Stevenson and it's assumed that Sony Michelle's garbage and he just can't play anymore. It's like, all those are assumptions we're making. And they're like, I feel pretty good about some of those assumptions at the same time. It's like, I could also see how the, you know, the Patriots aren't listening to any of that and they're going to do what they do. And he might just well be the starter or might be the secondary running back because Rex Burkhead's not there and they need a pass catching guy and blah, blah, blah. You know, I don't know how it's going to pan out, but I know that we, when we start making assumptions, yeah, we're, you know, what's it, what assume makes an ass out of you and me is the old old saying. That is the saying. So yeah, I agree. Like, I think like a lot of times you're saying, well, this happened, this, 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 and this, and you know, he's on last year's contract and you know, there's a, there's, you can paint the picture or, you know, tell the story that this may happen, but there's a lot of, you know, a lot of things that have to happen. Like if this, then this, and, you know, if one in the chain breaks, then, you know, there goes that, that theory. So yeah, you know, it's something that we got to be wary of, but enjoy it, man. You know, and maybe, you you know, you get beat writers and if you hear it from multiple writers, you know, that's another thing I'll put more stock in. Like, well, here's another report about Elijah Moore. Elijah you know, like Moore, right. that was the thing, Elijah Moore. Like, and it seemed like multiple beat writers every day are talking about how how much better he looked than they expected. You know, and he's just making plays. Like, okay, I'm starting to believe this now. You know, like maybe he is somebody worth making a move for right now. Maybe he's that OBJ from you know 2014. Like, who knows? So, um. You know, those are the kind of things that maybe you can, you know, use. Cause, and, and those are the ones I'm going to maybe do because it's not like something that's going to cost me two firsts or something like that. It's it's something that, okay, it's going to cost me maybe, a, you know, two seconds or maybe a 20, 22 first or something like that if I'm willing to really roll the dice. You know, that, that that's something that maybe I consider. But um, like you said, the rookie factor, I think like I agree with your point about you're more willing to to make a move and, and jump on a rookie because there's still a buying window or this kind of unseen untapped potential that doesn't until people see it on the field, it's almost impossible for them to give it credit unless it's like a Jamar Chase or somebody who's highly drafted. It, it takes a little bit, but yeah, yeah. The New York thing is interesting to me too, though, because the argument could be made that just the fact that it's in New York and all the New York beat writers got to talk about something that 
you know, other other wide receivers might not in the smaller markets might not be getting the same kind of buzz just based on the fact that they're a smaller market. Yeah, totally. So I remember Brashad Perriman last year was getting some hype with the Jets. <laughs> it's like it was like, oh, Rashad Perriman's killing training camp in the Jets. Yeah, well, it's like that. Don't be best. jealous, all you NFL <laughs> fans that the Lions have him now. What? Yeah, that's right. I mean, hey, until I see his quads, I don't believe. You're right. Yeah, right. I know it's quad centric league now. It's all about the quads. Did you yeah. see? I saw guys with like short shorts pulling them up. All the all the players, they're, they're they no doubt very aware of what people are talking about because all of a sudden oh, they see sure. players walking around their quads all sticking out. And everything. It's like, come on, <laughs> but yeah, gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Um. All right. So I'll just I'll talk about this real quick. But so I made a trade today in a fourteen team super flex. Um. I think I'm a contender, um, but I got an offer for uh, Devontae Adams being sent my way. And, like, I feel like I'm okay being a little aggressive. You know, it would really help my team. Wide receiver is probably my weakest position um, for Pitts and a first, which was obviously way too much in my opinion. So um, I was kind of like – he was trying to get pits in my first, um, and he might add something. I'm like, I'm not giving up my first. So it ended up came, coming down to where I gave him pits and a second, which I believe is going to be a late second in a 14-team league um, for Devontae. It's 1.5 tight end premium. I do have um, Mark Andrews, so he would be my starter instead of – and who's to say Pitts would even have been my starter? Um so it was probably a little bit of an aggressive move on my part. Um, but I feel like my team at every position was good. And I felt like I just needed one of those elite wide receivers to really make my team a real contender. Uh, was that a good trade or a bad trade? Go ahead, Drew. Uh, if you win this year, it's a great trade. Right on. Yeah, I like it. I think, uh, the pits hype is, is out of control. And, and I, you know, I'm trying to like figure it out cause I'm not going to get any shares of them. So it's a matter of like, how do I rationalize this one? Because I can't take him at the number one or number two pick. And he drafts like, if I have that number one pick, it's, I'm probably going to just trade it out. If someone will give me, I don't know. I just haven't found myself in any way that I'm going to get Kyle Pitts, And yet I see some of the intrigue, but you're talking about Devonte Adams who, you know, aside from Stefan Diggs last year's major, it's pretty much Devonta Adams looks like he's going to be the number one wide receiver. I don't like, I can't, if you were just talking betting eyes, remember like when golf tournaments used to happen and Tiger Woods was the man to be like Tiger Woods or the field. It's yeah. like, I feel like you could almost put that up there with Devonta Adams, like Devonta Adams or the field. And that would, that would still be some betting room on both sides of that. So yeah, you're talking about money in the bank and, you know, bird in hand and all that. The second round pick, I, I I would have probably squeezed him a little bit. It sounds like he's got you know the, top, the Kyle I Pitts. I probably could have. I think you could probably have just send it back. Said you know what? I feel like Kyle Pitts is going to be. Don't instead of just telling him anything, just say I feel like Kyle Pitts is going to be the greatest thing ever, and he's got this short yardage quickness, whatever. If just I'm gonna give him up, up, if I'm gonna give him up, I want Devontae Adams straight up, and you might have just been able to claim it. And otherwise, he, you know, then you can make that decision from there how much you want to add to it. But I, that would be the one thing I would suggest is like just based on the fact that the guy was coming after Kyle Pitts, which is the rookie, which is the the coveted like oh the unknown, and he could break out. You're getting this window to get Devontae Adams, regardless of what Kyle Pitts does in year yeah. one. And but the moment he hits that field, now he better produce like a Devontae Adams, or it's not. It, it was going to be. 
you know, and he's, he's young. There's, there's still a, a potential for win. We, I've had this debate with Scott Connor. We were talking about, I've, I've just can't, because I, I actually started dynasty football in the Eric Ebron draft class, which was OBJ, Mike Evans, <laughs> Eric Ebron. And I took Eric Ebron mm-hmm. and I was like, my tight end is set for good. I'm going to draft him. And then I can worry about, and it's like, looking back, it was like, that's, that just doesn't work. You, I mean, to look at the number of athletic, freaky athletic tight ends every year that comes out that was a wide receiver or a basketball player or some kind of freaky, freaky, freaky guy that plays the tight end position. While Kyle Pitts is better than all of those guys and is actually tight end, how much better and how much of a guarantee does all those skill sets make uh, for him to actually be successful on an NFL field? Like the Saints defensive end, Cameron Hayward, or where Cameron, one of the guys said, basically like he looks a little light in the rump. And that's why I just talked about Dan Arnold. He's not prototypical tight end size. He is a wide receiver tight end slash hybrid. And we've seen with Evan Ingram, we've seen the NFL just doesn't come in and say, oh, you get to dictate to us what you're going to be. It doesn't work that way. You're in the big boys club now. So we're going to dictate to you and you're going to have to make some adjustments. And so that's where I'm curious about what Kyle Pitts comes in. We don't have that issue with Devontae Adams at all. Well, and then what's the likelihood of him being re- um, positioned to wide receiver like let's say they they end up moving him out to like take over for julio right or something like that because everybody's comparing him to to calvin um calvin johnson right like a lot of people have said so it's like okay well if that's what happens does he all of a sudden get re uh classified as a wide receiver then you lose the benefit of him as a tight end like I mean, I'm not saying that's likely, but it like, is. Hey, if they move him outside, remember that it benefits him to be classified as a wide receiver. It doesn't benefit. We, we talked about with right, Jimmy, Graham, Jimmy Graham fighting to be a wide receiver. They they made this argument. It was a really good argument made by it was Witten or some of the guys that did the tight end camp thing. They basically said like, look, we're expected to block defensive ends like a left tackle. And we're expected to play wide receiver position like a wide receiver, and both of those positions get paid fifteen or twenty million, and you want to pay us ten million to do both of their jobs. Right, if we're elite. Yes, and, and so it, uh, that's a very good argument. I just don't see why he would allow them to move him outside without per- wanting to be classified as wide receiver. The Evan Ingram thing is is like the only one I could see recently that fits, um, and maybe the Darren Waller. And Darren Waller's play is is a tight end, you know, and, and the team wants to keep him at tight end. And I think that that's where his best path for success is, is, is playing the Darren Waller. And that's where he's, I think that if that happens, he's probably worth the payment, but it's close. You know, it's like, it just depends how quickly it happens. If it happens right away and he's out there at 21 uh, playing like that and you've got him for the next 10 years or whatever, yeah. then okay. But I don't know. I've seen so many times where tight ends uh, just get injured. It's a, it's a tough position to play. You're blocking, like they said, defense. you're blocking on the offensive line. You're doing a lot of things to put your body through the rigors. Uh, that you see Gronk, you see all these guys take the toll on their body. It's just hard for me to believe that he's going to be worth, when you talk about Devontae Adams, the, the reason Devontae Adams is on the field is to score fantasy points, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, it's a tough spot. You're going up against linebackers and safeties all day. You know, the, the athletic freaks of the opposite end, too. So, yeah, I, I, I've i got him in one league, Kyle Pitts, and uh, I, I am very tempted to try to convince my co-manager to put him on the block here as soon as we see a highlight reel or two from preseason and uh you know see see what kind of haul we can get because even the elites over time it takes them time to develop doesn't matter how good they are coming out of college uh you know most of us didn't see kelsey or kittle right away you know some guys that maybe did 
pay attention to the beat writers or, you know, we're on campuses watching workouts and stuff early on, maybe had a, a beat on that. But even then they still had to be patient to watch them develop into what they are now. So uh, somebody wants to sit on him for two or three years and, and you know, pay me Devonte Adams in the meantime, I'll take the points. Yeah, that, I mean, that's the thing, right? Like I have multiple, sh- I think I have maybe four total pits shares and, so I felt like, okay, this is fine, but people are paying crazy money. Like, I mean, my buddy is in a, um, a contract league and he, somebody gave him uh, Mark Andrews and two firsts and the chat was destroying my buddy for giving pits up for that. Like that just shows you where people's mentality is for pits. Like now I'm going, damn, I should have asked for something on top of Devontae. You should have gotten the first with Devontae. Yeah. Like when he told, he called me today and he was like, Hey, what do you think (laughs) about this trade? And I was like, well, let me tell you my trade. You'll feel a lot better about yours. You know, like, I mean, it's crazy what some, I mean, and granted every league's different, of course, but like, it's just, uh, you know, people are, are really believing the hype. And, like, I believe he's going to end up being a really good tight end. Is he going to be better than Kittle? I mean, Who's that's hard, that's hard to buy, years. you know? like It kind of reminds me of, like, it's almost like a LeBron James kind of thing where, like, I remember when LeBron came out as a basketball player, and it, there was just like, oh, can he really be this good? And it, it seems crazy to be comparing Kyle Pitts to LeBron James. But when you hear the coaches like Sean McVay, I don't know if you heard the Sean McVay uh, did, does these – podcast with other coaches he has on and he was talking to shanahan in regards to them trading up to get trey lance and he said oh i thought you might be trading up to get kyle pitts he said you know he's like i fish a little more but the fact that they both even like talked to like there was a part of the conversation like trading three first round picks to go up and possibly get kyle pitts was a possibility in michelle mcveigh and kyle shanahan's mind just shows the kind of player they're talking about and he was taking a fourth overall taken ahead of Jamar Chase. And so that was, I think, one thing that kind of stood out to me when I was – because before I was like, ah, I'm taking Jamar Chase ahead of Kyle Pitts no matter what because Jamar Chase is a wide receiver. The wide receivers are meant for fantasy points and, Kyle, and tight ends. We just don't know, blah, blah, blah. But then the realization that they're actually going to trade Julio said to me, like, they knew they were going to trade Julio before the draft. It seems like that was already in play. And if they knew they were going to trade Julio, they potentially could have taken Jamar Chase to replace Julio but chose – Kyle Pitts, yeah, as they consider their top receiving weapon, the guy that's going to be the best replacement for Julio. It's a good argument for Kyle Pitts. It's hard, and then you've got the zeitgeist and just everybody jumping on, and it just pushes and pushes. Oh, that, and- that it's hard to, to fight back against. I just trust my instincts, and my instincts say, like anything else, like it's not a cheap proposition at this point. I, I'll take a cheap proposition and take my chances. Okay, go buy the the very. Uh, the best car, but you're not, you're, you're paying 10 grand or the, uh, the housing market right now. Look at the housing market and how crazy right. it is. It's like, if people want to bid a hundred thousand dollars over a house, I'm just a renter over here. I, it's, go, go be my guest. But doesn't mean that it's the best time to do it just because everyone's doing it. So this was a conversation that um, actually, I think it was within the last couple of weeks uh, that Josh and I had, and it was, I'm like, I don't mind going out and grabbing Hayden Hurst. Because I think everybody's so focused on Pitts right now. You know what I mean? And, like, what if they make Pitts a slot or they make him an out, you know, an X or a Y or whatever? Like, 
what if he's not going to be playing tight end, like a, a true tight end? Well, then you still got Hayden Hurst out there all the time. He's going to fall into opportunities. And like, so I feel like he's so undervalued right now. Like he's tight end 20 something. Like the last I looked, like it's just super low. And for that price, I'm more than happy to roll the dice on him and see what I can get from him. And we were, we were kind of arguing the Hooper or, you know, do you like Hooper better? Or do you like um, Hayden Hurst? And I'm like, you know, I don't mind either of them, honestly. Like, It's but, all about super, I mean, uh, tight end premium at that point, though, I think. For sure, for sure. Or yeah. some sort of two, two TV or two tight end. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. The Kyle Pitts is a really, it's a phenomenal. I think that is the story of the offseason in a way. Like the whole draft, the story of the draft this year, There's there's a number of them. Uh, with the QBs and everything, but the Kyle Pitts is one that we're we're going to learn something from this. Whether it's gives us, whether it just steers us all wrong for the future, like he comes up and he's just immediately, you know, it's Jeremy Shockey's first years and just blowing up as a tight end. Which in those tight end premium one and a half, you know, if he's if if Matt Ryan just decides this is my favorite wide receiver and he comes out of the gates as a rookie, then then myself and other people who have faded him are going to go, okay, well you're right. At the same time, it's it's like. I, I feel comfortable making the bet I'm making, which is just not betting on him, not paying the price for him and accepting uh, whatever comes you know my way in terms of other tight ends and stuff. It, it's just it, when we see it fall, play out, it's going to be fascinating. It's really I think that you know it's going to be the, the emotions are going to be high. There's going to be people that are very, very highly invested in Kyle Pitts. And so if it falls off, I, I can't wait. Like the, after that first game, if he has like one catch for six yards or something, you better believe I'm going to be up on Twitter. I don't want to spend much time on Twitter at all, but I'm going to be there like, where, where is it? Let's see where it's, I'm going to see the, the, the heartache, the moaning, the, the just like the suffering that is that, you know, all that cost has brought you one catch for six yards, when you you know, in retrospect. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's going to be exciting to see, I think. Like I'm really, that's going to be one of those storylines that I'm really looking at early in the season. And, you know, he's like one of those few guys that just seems like ever, there's nobody saying there's anything wrong. Like even like with Barkley, they said, oh, he can't run between the tackles. You know what I mean? Like there's how many like prospects are they like, do people say uh, basically the perfect prospect? And he like, I feel like he has gotten that label now. Sure, and, like Shannon Sharp said, I mean, like I questioned his maturity when they asked him. Uh, about something he said he wanted to be the greatest tight end of all time and i was like dude this guy who says that you know that's eric ebron speak we'll talk about <laughs> eric ebron like you just don't to me that's not a mature statement you, you should be thinking like i'm gonna work hard tomorrow i'm gonna work hard the next day we'll see what comes of that but then uh, shannon sharp said this kid is super confident and he's apparently and he's willing to learn and i really like i think he's gonna be great and i'm sitting there going like this is one of the great tight ends one of yeah. the great receiving tight ends of our of, of, you know the history of of tight ends and here he is meeting with the guy and saying yes he's cocky confident but he's also humble and i think he's gonna be coachable and i think he's gonna be damn good it's like oh stop talking about you know it's like you don't want to hear that you're like rooting against them yes i feel well i'm not rooting against i know i'm teasing you it's one of those things where it's like you you want you want the george kittle situation where I remember George Kittle, there was little rumors like, oh, this guy's actually quite good. But, you know, he didn't he played blocking tight end. and But there was these kind of rumblings. And as, as he started to emerge, it was like, oh, that made so much sense, all of the little pieces. And yet he was highly attainable at a very fair price for yep. quite a while, for, for a long time. Kyle Pitts is so not that. He's jumped right to the very top of the list. And it's like, there's no, there's no tight end, including Kelsey, Kittle, or, you know, even the, the other guys that are up and coming that, that like, I, I don't know. There's people that will probably take pits over those guys at this point. 
Like I know Waller's age, I know Kittle's age and injury, and now Kelsey's age. It's like those three guys, their production is not worth Kyle Pitts's upside in most dynasty gamers' mindset. I would guess. And yep. I personally, I don't know. Like I said, if you offered me, I have Kelsey in a number of leagues. If somebody offered me Pitts and my team was starting on the downside, I might just do it. But I don't know that they would offer it to me, honestly. Like, yeah, I, I think most people would want more than that, which is <laughs> yeah. crazy to me. I know. Yeah. Well, that's why it's like, yeah. You should, about so my trade thing. was pretty much terrible then because after this conversation. But <laughs> it's not no, terrible. I'm totally – yeah. like, to be honest, like, I'm totally content with the trade. Like, I'm – perfectly fine with it yeah but. one catch for six yards in week one and then see how you feel about that yeah i mean he could totally pull hackinson and have a huge week one and yeah. then like kind of disappear mm-hmm. for the next like six seven yeah. weeks and then and you're like that's a tough part too is like even if he has a generational talent and he has a generational first season what is that 80 catches for 900 yards 80 catches for 800 yards and, and half a dozen touchdowns eight touchdowns which granted he could get better you know if that's his baseline that's his floor and then the next year he's at a thousand yards on a hundred catches and ten. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> epic. I that's mean, what that, I'm saying it's like ah, it's so hard, but that's why. Hey, like I said, there is all of that evidence. It's all it's it's value. It's priced in at this point. I feel like it's priced. Oh, in. for sure. So we're not getting any value from that. And no. then when you look at all the other evidence, which tells you how many tight ends were not successful from from no matter how highly they got drafted, no matter all the prerequisite athletic ability it 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 normally takes time and a lot of them it never happens i mean look at david joku david joku was going to be that guy Mm, oj howard oj howard gonna be that guy i mean come on at some point you have to just take that evidence and give it some credence and not just pour all of the so i don't know i'm gonna i'm gonna like i said not gonna get any cow pits and i will be a hater and and be cheering against (laughs) so week week eight week (laughs) ten how how low does the price have to be for you to get your first share well, I've talked about this at my podcast. I actually did a whole episode called the Kyle Pitts plan, but this was early in the thing. This is before Kyle Pitts moved all the way into like the top three. He was still Jeez. like at five. And I said, I would just let other people draft him and then I'll try to buy him next year after a disappointing season. But then I think Scott Connor and other people made a very good point, which is the amount of pe- the capital people have invested at this point. There's just not, you're not going to be able to wrangle them from next year. They're no. just going to be called on dear tight. Yeah, exactly. Like if a dude cost. just paid like, div- like three firsts for him, <laughs> like, you know, yeah, like no way. that's there's what no people way. are paying. You know, you yeah. Mark Andrews and two firsts. I mean, you're not wrangling him at all. Like, no, you know, right. that guy's just going now. down on the ship with him, <laughs> you know? That's how I feel. So now I've just kind of accepted the fact that, hey, this guy could very well be a dynamic, uh, game-changing tight end, but nobody's getting their hands on him for the for a value that's going to be game-changing. You know, that's, when you look at dynasty football or fantasy football and everything, it's all about what you give up and what you get. And so the way you beat other people is by getting a position advantage that you didn't have to pay that much for. And so running backs are, are ones that you can usually do that with. There's a lot of positions that are a little easier to do that with. Unfortunately, with a tight end, you might just have to pay up. But at what point and what cost and what what risk? Like I, I'll, at least with Kelsey, you know, unless he gets hurt, what you're getting, you know, you're getting that. There's almost no way he's not producing for you. With Pitts, there is a complete future that that doesn't even resemble any of this in terms of production. But again, it could be compo- completely, you know, <laughs> mind boggling. Like, oh my God, he's just every game is Matt Ryan's favorite target, and there's Kyle Pitts and. You know, you watch the highlights, but again, this is another point I'd make that just anti Pitts is that 2020 was 2020. They played like eight games and they played teams that weren't that great. And so, yes, he looked 
the, 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 the talk of his 2020 tape is like, there's never been a player that dominated the way he dominated. But remember, he was playing against players that weren't necessarily, you know, the best teams. And it's just to me, COVID has created a lot of dynamics that we don't know. So can you tell me that he played a full season in 2019, right? And nobody said his 2019 tape was the best they'd ever seen. He he got much better into 2020. Some of it might be he improved, but some of it might actually be that the, the competition wasn't quite as good. And 2020 was a harder way to judge uh, how his skills are going to translate into the NFL. That, that's got to be taken into account. I think we talked about COVID. It's, <laughs> I think the NFL didn't change much. You know, it seemed to me the NFL just kept moving right along. But college, a lot of teams yeah. just bowed out. They didn't have the incentive to, to keep moving along. The money, the money wasn't there. So they just a lot of things shifted in the college. And the NFL was like, look, we're growing men. Get with the program or, or step aside. But you're on mute, Bill. Yep, that was a good kind con- uh, conversation. I didn't expect it to go uh, that long, but yeah, it was fun. I like. I mean, everybody's got an opinion on uh, pits, but Sonny, really appreciate you uh, joining uh, us tonight. Um, and uh, you know, tell them where they can find you. And uh, yeah, thank you, you know. for having me on. So at Big Knowledge Football on Twitter or Big Knowledge FFB. I don't spend a lot of time on Twitter, so that's. You can find me there. I always respond to messages and everything, but I don't. I don't really. I'm not on Twitter. It's all about my podcast. I do my 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 thoughts come out on my podcast, the Big Knowledge Football Dynasty podcast, and it's all about fantasy for unity right now. Honestly, like this year, I have put a lot of attention and a lot of my energy on trying to promote this thing and just try to make something out of this because when I think about the dynasty football world and how how much content is out there, and I just think about like what I want to provide to the fantasy football world. I don't know how long I'll be doing podcasting. Honestly, I, have, I feel like I've always had good ideas and I've always had thoughts, but it's getting harder and harder to really, you know, make an impact and, and, and find a way to, because I do this for fun. This yep. is a fun thing for me. I've been doing this for three years now. I've been doing this just for so long that I, it's like at some point I go, you know, I have a nice group of listeners. I, I've really built something that I'm proud of. At the same time, like Fantasy for Unity is kind of what I feel like is my next stage, just because I feel like the fantasy community needs um, to kind of come together in different ways. Like uh, maybe next year, I'm, I'm seriously thinking about putting together something for, for global warming because <laughs> I feel like when you see all this flooding, you see the world, like now I'm like, I'm more inspired by doing things to better our world and just to take a look around and go like, I'm I'm almost 45 years old. My time on this planet is, is running out. I want to actually make an impact in a, in a bigger way and just try to like make a positive impact instead of just like worrying about my final, my fantasy football teams. And and I think 2020 was a big wake up call for me there. So I do still have like, I get moments of inspiration with the fantasy football and that's where I, I kind of put it out on my podcast, but I'll be honest with you. If you really want to support me, check out at fantasy for unity. Uh, like I said, just be a part. It takes a $20 donation to any of our, our causes. And we're, we're, everybody gets in the tournament. We're not, we're not like trying to be picky and choosy. We want, if you're willing to donate and support our cause, then you get a spot in the tournament. Fantrax has been nice enough to sponsor it and, you know, put it on and say, look, it doesn't matter how many people you get together, uh, they'll, they'll cover the cost of it. So that to me is, is great. And we're just trying to get, like I said, to, to build something where it brings people together and kind of appreciates uh, what we have when we're we're watching you know football and we're watching all these players uh, who come from communities that are different than a lot of our own communities, and to me, I think that's a, a big part of it. And and you know, Drew, you, you, obviously, you, you, I'm not sure what your your uh, heritage is, but to me, I think it's it's not just about 
black and white, even though it's kind of like if you see my shirt, it's it's got the black and white, and it's it's that's kind of where it was based on. But to me, it's about all races and all and unifying all cultures. I feel like our, our society is just it's gone a little crazy lately, and and I feel like I I just I can only come from a position of just wanting to try to heal, trying to allow other people to heal, and trying to get other people to to come together and, and see each other for you know all the positive things about each other and stop you know stop fighting over such nonsense when we have like i said a planet that's in turmoil and just we have a lot of other things that we could be focused on and a lot of positive ways we can go and so that's kind of like i said fantasy unity is not just about race it's, a, it's standing up against racism but it's also bringing races together and just bring everybody together uh that have that that kind of mindset of positivity and and you know caring for each other as opposed to being selfish and trying to be afraid of each other Yep. So if you're uh, interested in joining, you can donate directly to the um, to the causes and then just screenshot it and send it to the uh, at uh, Fantasy for Unity account or the email or whatever. And um, then you'll be entered. Um, so, yeah, we're responding. It doesn't we're go, gonna... The money doesn't go to Sonny and then they do it. It's you what? do it. You know, you know, it's going directly to there. And then. Um, and then they'll take care of the uh, entry stuff later on. Yeah, we're not collecting any money. It goes straight to the charities. For us, what we're just trying to do is facilitate um, the, the kind of the opportunity for people to, to give you kind of something fun as a reward. I mean, how many, how many, what are they called? The uh, best ball tournaments. How many best ball leagues do you really need to join? Um, when in a way, the best way you can say thank you to some of your favorite players is by donating something to a community um, you know, to kind of the, to support the communities they come from and also getting to play fantasy football um, with that in mind. And so to that, to me, it's like, it just, it feels, it feels so right to me that, that we, that there should be something in terms of um, this kind of community coming together and, and supporting the the communities that actually football is mostly played by. Um, and, and like I said, I don't know, I'm not, I may not be the person, perfect person to, to spread, spread the message. Um, but at the same time, like I'm willing to do it. And that's how it came. That makes me. you the per perfect right. person. That's, that's kind of how it came about for me. It was like, listen, I, I have, I don't see the message out there. I, I don't know how else, um, I can have this, this idea and not, not pursue it. And so, like I said, my podcast has taken a little bit of a backseat this year and, and partially because of fancy community and moving forward, like I said, I've always just wanted to give my, my listeners, um, whatever kind of inspiration I have, something to try to think differently or try to like move move people out of the box, out of that normal echo chamber. So that is something that I always try to do. And so sometimes I won't put out content uh, just because I'm not trying to just put out content on a weekly basis. I try to wait till I actually have something I want to say, and then I go from there. So that that to me, uh, like I said, is is part of what I'm doing. And then now Fantasy for Unity has is, is become a, a bigger part of, of what I'm doing. And I think that that's um, like I said, something that's important to me and I think should be important to the fantasy football community as well. No doubt. Um, so, yeah, everybody, thanks for joining us. Um, I'm not going to go through the whole spiel that Josh does. Drew, you got something? Yeah, I was going to add on here. I, I really appreciate what you're doing, Sonny. Um, I, I don't know if it's age or having kids myself. Uh, you know, there's definitely that that reflection on, you know, mortality, how much time do I have left? What, what am I really leaving behind? Whether it's at, you know, my job, whether it's with my family, of course. So, uh, I, I messaged you on the side, you know, I, I want to be number 21. Uh, so That's I'll awesome. make a donation Thank there, you, so but, great. uh, you. for the listeners here, anybody that listens to this, um, you know, hit, hit me up and, uh, I'd love to get four more people and get a nice round 25 in here. So I'm going to, uh, EJI is who all my, my Amazon money goes to since I've linked that up. So, uh, 
uh, I'd love to to commit a you know 100 bucks tonight to get four other people and myself included, get you oh, 25 that's people. So, awesome. so uh, you let me know who the next four people behind me are uh, that send you a screenshot or that say you know they want to be in if they listen to the podcast, and uh, you can count count part of my donation to to four more people that want to be in with you this year. Hey, that's awesome, Drew. And I'll add four more because I'm I'm making a big donation, and I've actually had some guys that I know that that kind of are strapped for cash but showed interest last year. And so, yeah, so then that, that's great. You throw four in and I'll throw four in. So the next eight people who listen, can, 12. 12, we're at 12 now. So the next, we got, we got 12, the next 12 people that just want to be a part of this tournament. You've got, you've got our donations. And then if you want to throw in money on top of that, that as well, to me, that's, and, and I, like I said, we, we're at 24 right now and I wanted to get 96. And I believe after we put these videos out and I'm going to start direct messaging my, I, I'm not good at Twitter, but I, I don't mind. Like I'll do whatever it takes because it's, there's nothing to lose for me. I feel like, the bottom line for this is that this, when we all can kind of like start giving, when you start giving love to other people and you start saying, Hey, I appreciate what you do. Let me help out you. It just comes back, you know, tenfold or whatever. So to me, Drew, thank you. That means a lot to me. I really appreciate you being a part of it. And I, and I love that you guys, you know, Bill, it really meant a lot to me that you invited me on. You said, even if I, if you don't come on, send me a video about the thing. And that it's, like I said, it has been a challenge to get the word out. I I've been surprised at how many, uh, big name people and athletes and guys that you would think it matters to, but we're kind of almost spam to people at this point. We need to establish ourselves and kind of make, um, you know, I, I have to move it forward a little bit more so that we can kind of get some momentum. And so it, it heartens me. I, I literally have days where it's like I, I'm putting it out there and it gets no retweets and I hear nothing from people. And I'm going, okay, we're running out of time, which I want to say we're actually, uh, we got Steve Dennis on there. Thank you, Steve. We are actually um, going to extend the date from the 15th to the 23rd. I've just been emailing people today just to make sure it's okay because we're trying to buy more time. We're trying to get a way that we can promote this a little bit more. And we're going we're gonna to accept and be happy with whatever we get because, honestly, it is just a matter of moving that boulder a yep. little bit at a time. It's a big boulder. And to us, we, we didn't have – I don't think we ever had, like, huge expectations – but I'll admit, I, I, like I said, I've had my ups and downs where days where I'm just going like, come on, fantasy community, be a little more self-aware of what, you know, what we actually do every day and how we own players and we do all this trading and stuff. Those things, whether they don't mean anything or not, if you don't respect the culture and the history of our country and don't see how it all ties together, I think we're missing something there. And so to me, like, it's hard to talk about. It's hard to bring other people to talk about, especially when, like I said, I, I don't have all the experiences myself. I can't speak for every single culture and, and every person. I have to just kind of try to speak for myself and what I see. But I feel like the more we can do that as a community, uh, the better off we're going to be and the, the stronger we're going to be. And we can set an example for a lot of other uh, communities, to, you know, that we can lead the way and set a better example, because I really feel like that's all it takes. It takes positivity and it's, it's infectious. Negativity is also infectious. So we're, you know, I, I want to be a, a person who creates positivity in this world and helps other people kind of see a light at the end of the tunnel of where we can do good, as opposed to, you know, everybody just kind of being afraid of, of what's going to come next, because I'm afraid, like you said, Drew, having the kids and seeing this world and everything, it's scary. Um, if you're not scared, you're not paying attention. honestly, like, I feel like every day, every day I look around when you read the news, it's very scary stuff. And so my feeling is not to just go, okay, well, I'm just going to have, you know, we just have to accept the world it is. And it's like, no, we, this is where we have to start making decisions one at a time to make, to make a better world. And so I really appreciate you bringing me on and just like allowing me to talk about this with other people that aren't my listeners. Cause I've already talked about it on my podcast. I put it out and like I said, we are going to push it a little more, but don't, don't think that your involvement and anybody who's listening isn't important. As Drew just said, he wants to be 21. We, I've been putting this out for weeks and we've got 20, 
20 people who signed up. And so to me, that's the thing. But 20 is good. I'm happy because those 20 people, some have donated large chunks of money and people have just, they've put their heart in it and they were, they were happy to see that we're doing something. And just that itself, uh, like gives me strength. It makes me feel like, okay, all this is worth it every day. We're going to put, and you know, we have a guy that's a, a, a black owned business uh, man who, who actually helped us do the logo and he, he sells the shirts on his site and he gives $5 to them. So we're, you know, to me, it's all about like trying to create positivity through multiple communities and trying to do it um, the, the right way. And, and however that, that may be and, and trying to be fluid with, uh, whatever may come. So part of that is just getting the word out and trying to, you know, see what comes from there. So thank you, Drew. It really means a lot to me that you started that because now, like I said, 12 people get, just email me. You want to be in, we'll take care of the donation. And like I say, if you want to donate on top of that, by all means, please, because there's been other people who wanted to donate, but they couldn't be in the league. They just had too many leagues and they want to donate money. And I think that's great too, but we want people in and we want people who are excited about being a part of the, of the community that stands against racism and sees the importance of standing against racism of all types. You know, that there's, there's bigotry, there's prejudice, there's racism, there's all different words you can put on it. And we all know what it means. And none of us like it when it happens to us. And none of it, you know, nobody like really out, out says, okay, this is good for our world, but it still goes on. And I think that's where it's like, how do we, you know, kind of like, where, how do you create an environment where it's safe to not, you know, to just live and not feel like there's people out there that can, you know, are, are, are actually cheering against you. Well, in Fantasy for Unity, to me, you're not joining this, you're not donating, you're not becoming a part of this unless uh, you really care about all people of all races. And that that's what I want is a community of those kind of people. Yep. And that's what we do, right? Like that's the that's how you do it in life. You get you get around people that share similar values, and that's how you make your life happier. You're not gonna change everybody, and that's okay. But let, let's let's get the people that we want. Um, that we share similar uh, visions to, uh, you know, build that community with those people. And, you know, one step at a time, we get a bunch of those communities. All of a sudden, those communities start getting closer and closer to each other. And all of a sudden, it's and the that's new the reality. Hard part. I think that for me, what the, another thing is the pandemic brought everybody kind of separate again. So it's been, it's harder to to mesh with people. It's the communities are not mixing in again. It's, it's everyone's kind of in their own little pockets and sure. getting a lot of information online. It's all the more important um, that we kind of can get everyone somehow to see each other's side and to kind of have conversations about it and come together. It's you know like I said, I can't speak for everybody. I can speak for myself, and it's important to me. And I think most people um, in the fantasy football community can see the value in it, and therefore. You know, it's it's gonna we're gonna be here no matter what. Like I said, I, we're not going away. It's a matter of whether people want to kind of join us and be a part of it. And, and I'd sure. love I'd love for the more the more the merrier to be a part. Absolutely. Of it. So, yeah, thanks everybody for listening. Um, you know, everybody that's watching, everybody that chimed in, um, you know, everybody that's listening to the podcast. Really appreciate you, um, so, Drew. Uh, always a good time, my man. Sunny, uh, you know, you're my boy. I'm happy. Uh, Happy you got to uh, to pop on here, and um, I guess we're out of here. Thank you again. Thanks, Drew. Good meeting you. You too. Good night, guys. Late. Bye.